our friends the Irwins with their song the blood of Jesus and guys I could think of no better way to start this episode off than with the message of that song and those guys are absolutely doing an incredible job that's the Irwins and uh, they are RFP fam and we love having just incredible talent like that uh, part of the fam that 
Uh, man, that's that's a good song. Have y'all heard that one before? I hadn't until you played it. Yep, that was my first time, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a good song. I, I tell you something this week uh, that, that was really special uh, was just in the in our RFP group page was seeing all the different uh, jobs that people do. We kind of put it out and said, hey, what do you do for a living? And I tell you, it was incredible to see how many pastors are in the group, how many doctors, stay-at-home moms. I mean, we are loaded down with stay-at-home moms. That's um, awesome. Doing Southern real Gospel ministry. <laughs> listen, listen, I have sat at home with my six kids while my wife's been away and she came home and I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm going back to work. I'll work for, I'll work four <laughs> jobs. I ain't doing this, man. They are the real MVPs. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Uh, we have attorneys, there's law enforcement officers, man. Something I'm pretty fired up about. One of our new moderators is the sheriff in a town in Arkansas. We got a sheriff as a moderator now, guys. So he's oh, laying yeah. down the law, <laughs> uh, but I love it. And uh, the Irwins, we reached out to them and uh, asked if we could open up this episode, our Easter episode, if you will, uh, just with uh, an incredible song about the blood of Jesus. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today. As uh, we are uh, coming to you with episode 109, and uh, we're going to be talking about penal substitutionary atonement, and I think it's a great topic for us to jump into, and uh, I'm fired up. Guys, are y'all ready for Easter? It's a it's Super Bowl Sunday for us, but are you excited? <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot coming up. I have a few things to knock off the list before Sunday morning, so we've got a sunrise service, an 8.30 service, and a 10.30 service. So there's a Goodness. lot happening on the property and we had new signage put up on the property all this week. So just, I mean, a, a ton of stuff, a work day two weeks ago and removing all the debris from that. So it's pastors know how crazy it gets around Easter time, but uh, the property's looking great. We're excited, uh, just excited about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the cornerstone Amen. of the Christian faith. Hey, I feel sorry for you having to have a sunrise service. Years ago, I made a commitment that I wouldn't have Sunday school and I wouldn't have sunrise services <laughs> because I attended a couple and I just don't believe you have to wake up that early to worship Jesus. And, and I have Bible for it. The Bible says while it was still dark, Amen. <laughs> he was resurrected. So <laughs> I'll be praying for you while you're out there at daybreak, freezing to death. Can I be honest? Yep. I'm 39 years old and I have never been to a sunrise service. Wow. Really? I have avoided them. I've never been to one. I hey, don't like waking up that early. Yeah. Have you ever attended an all night prayer meeting? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, Dude. definitely. I've slept through more of those than probably anyone else on this planet. Oh yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> yeah. dad, my dad thought I was spiritual one night. They were having an all night <laughs> prayer meeting. I was just a boy and I was up on the altar and you know, they would take breaks along the way. And man, I was just deep in prayer until my dad realized I was deep in sleep. <laughs> You're up there <laughs> <And> so, lamenting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But my favorite service is actually tomorrow night. Uh, we have a good Friday service every year. Oh man. And it is incredible. It's usually wall to wall people. And the beautiful thing about it is it's a somber service. It's a heavy mm -hmm. service. And we celebrate the cross in light of the resurrection, but the whole service is just a reminder of the extreme love of God that he lavished yeah. on us through the gift mm. of Jesus Christ. And I love that service. Yeah. I think my favorite service, of course, being a youth pastor now, Sunday mornings, Easter, are pretty easy. We don't even do students on Sunday night because, you know, tradition, family, 
everybody gets together, but college nights last night, uh, we had a pretty special service. We, we didn't have any chairs in the center of the auditorium because our worship team connection music recorded a live album, a live album on, uh, on Tuesday. And so I said, Hey, we're just going to keep it here. And so we had a really cool setup with the lights and I put tons of candles out and it was just a very, uh, simple service. And that new Brandon Lake song that's out called gratitude, uh, Rachel Wiggins, my worship leaders, man, she started singing that song and it was just, it was, it man, it, the Holy spirit just moved in that room. And, uh, we, I kind of got up and I did the thing that strikes fear in every pastor's heart. I said, does anybody <laughs> want to share a word? And, uh, you know, with oh, college man. students in a college town on a Wednesday night, they start drinking on Wednesday. You never know what you might get here. Um, let me tell you guys, we, I think we had, uh, I think it was 17 students came up and mm. just shared their heart of what God has done in their heart this semester and why Easter matters. And I'm telling you, I just stood there in tears, just watching these people that are saying yes to Jesus. And, uh, we had one young man, his name's ACE. He's 17 years old. Uh, he's here. He's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, he got in trouble in Louisiana. He was one of the biggest drug runners there. Um, his, he's lost all of his family to murders, to suicides, to overdoses. He has a dad. He doesn't know where he's at. He's homeless in Baton Rouge. He got transferred here uh, to Statesboro until they find him, and then he'll move somewhere else. But he showed up. He got saved two months ago here at Connection College, and uh, he uh, he's rough, dude. I mean, come into youth groups a couple Sunday nights ago. He's out there smoking cigarettes. But I said, <laughs> how about you not come to youth groups, but just come to college nights? They're a little bit more rough. And uh, he got up last night. He was the last person to stand up when I saw him come up. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And he said, listen, he said, I don't know these church words to say. And I told him, I said, just don't cuss, please. I said it out loud and everybody <laughs> laughed. But I said, uh, he said, all I know is if God can save a dirty, rotten person like me, he can save anybody. And I'm thankful wow. for the blood of Jesus. And I was like, man, you just preached a better message than I've heard so many professional pastors preach in my life. And I was about to run. It was incredible. And I, I, I just love how he takes pawns and turns them into trophies. And uh, mm. it was just an awesome, awesome service last night. That's amazing. Man, that sounds exciting. And I like simple. I don't mm -hmm. know about you guys, but, you know, several years ago, we tried to do this really complicated service. We had all these different elements and all this cool stuff. We invested a lot and the whole thing just crashed and burned. It just wasn't mm -hmm. good. And that night we walked away with a saying that we repeat frequently. And, uh, I know Nathan's heard me say this and, and us say this simple done well is better than complicated done badly every mm. day of the week. Mm, it's true. That's good. Yep, simple's good. Why is it? Can I get on a soapbox for a second? Mm -hmm. Go for uh, it. Hey, speaking of soapbox, and I know some people think we're dumb for doing this, but Free Life Soap sent me two new fragrances today. These are for Mother's Day coming up. This Whoa. is strawberry lemonade and white lily. This smells like Victoria. What? Um, bed past me. <laughs> this this smells like a woman. I have no idea what we're, it smells really good and uh, y'all need to get that, but that's not the soapbox I wanted to jump on. Um, why, why is it that we go all out at Easter and then it feels like the Sunday after and the next Sunday and a Sunday randomly in the middle of August, it's just kind of another day. He's just as alive 
that Sunday in August as he is on Easter Sunday. Amen. And, you know, I think the, the long, the older I get the more I, pet peeve it is for me that we focus so hard on one Sunday a year when I'm like, we got to do this again in seven days. He's just as alive seven days from now as he yeah. is today. And, you know, and I think we are Easter people, not just on Easter. We're Easter people because Jesus is alive and lives forevermore. And, uh, Amen. yeah. All right. Off the soapbox. Sorry. No, I like that. I think that was good. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think a lot of it, JC, is that we've bought into cultural Christianity mm -hmm. rather than biblical Christianity. Um, we should be just as passionate about worshiping Jesus every single day of the week. And, and I'll even take it a step further than, than what you just said. We're to be seven day disciples. It's not yeah. even just about Sunday. Straight it's up. about Monday through Saturday and every single day he's worthy to be worshiped. He's worthy to be praised and exalted Amen. and Amen. adored. And, and so that's an ongoing thing. And you know, what I love is when Easter and a gathering like that is just an outflow of what God is already doing and what he's already yes. drawing you to. That's when it's beautiful. That's mm. good stuff. Guys, I'm excited about this conversation we're about to have today. It's going to be good. I love Easter. I love talking about the crucifixion, the cross of Christ. I'm ready to get this thing started. I think since it's Easter, we should skip the intro. And I think we should play something incredibly powerful something so strong that it'll make people want to jump up out of their seat and raise their hands and holler, hey man, I think we can do it. Let's go for it. Let's go. <laughs> you said it again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming, it's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross and then they raised him up next to criminals it's Friday but let me tell you something Sunday's coming it's Friday the disciples are questioning what has happened to their king and the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved 
but they don't know it's only Friday Sunday's coming it's Friday he's hanging on the cross feeling forsaken by his father left alone and dying can nobody save him oh it's Friday but Sunday's coming it's Friday the earth trembles the sky grows dark my king yields his spirit it's Friday hope is lost death has won sin has conquered and Satan's just a laugh It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Let's go. We're done. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist <laughs> podcast. What Man, more can we good. say? My goodness. I want to be able to preach like that when I grow up. <laughs> Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll be able to preach like that. What do you guys think? I hope I so. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll put it this way. It would take a glorified body and something incredibly divine to give me the ability to preach like that. So if it happens, it will be heaven. <laughs> of course, we know that was S.M. Lockridge and uh, his famous sermon, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I tell you what, if that doesn't fire you up and get you ready for Easter, nothing else will, because I'm thankful that uh, as this episode comes out, it's Friday, uh, but a lot changes in three days. And, Amen. Uh, I'm thankful that Jesus not only took our sins on the cross, uh, but he rose again and he completed that work. And uh, man, not a lot you can say there. Just thankful. Yeah. Amen to that. Mm. Well, thinking about Easter and all that we celebrate at the resurrection, it's, it's one of those things where we have to build up. You've got to understand the bad news. You've got to understand the negative things that happen to appreciate the power of what an empty tomb means. So mm. we're releasing this episode on Friday, which regardless of which day you think that the, the, res, the crucifixion happened, I, I don't think that necessarily matters. Uh, we could debate that, but that's not what this episode is about. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whichever day you say, Jesus was crucified and he was crucified for the sins of the world. So I think it would be a great place to start off talking about Easter by talking about why is the crucifixion so important? What happened? And why is this topic of the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ so hated and so attacked inside and outside of Christianity? So sounds like a softball topic, right, guys? <laughs> um, I don't think so. This has been debated for a long time. Yes, it has. So Brian, start us off. Why 
the crucifixion? Why did Jesus have to die? What is what is the gospel all about? Well, in order to answer that, Nathan, um, I actually find myself going to Isaiah chapter 53. Hmm. I love these verses. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was laid the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Mm -hmm. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were the ones without peace. We were the ones in sin. Mm -hmm. We were the ones mm -hmm. who lived out iniquity in rebellion against God. We were the ones in need of redemption. He was the only one qualified to redeem. Yeah. And so the gospel is that sin had to be punished. God is holy. God is just. Sin cannot go unpunished. The extravagant love of God gave Jesus so that he would bear the punishment in our place. We deserve mm -hmm. to be wounded but he bore our wounds. We deserve to be pierced, mm. but he bore our piercing. We deserved to have the chastisement of the consequences of our sin resting solely and completely on us. And yet grace is, mm. is scandalous mm. that the innocent died for the guilty. The sinless died for the sinful. When we celebrate this, guys, we're celebrating the unfairness of God. People say, oh, I wish God was more fair. I wish God would just be more fair in this situation. We live in celebration of the unfairness of God because had God been fair, we would have bore the penalty. Had God been fair, we mm. would have borne the punishment. And yet God in grace was unfair. Jesus bore our penalty our pain and our punishment. That's where my heart always goes. Yeah. Isaiah 53. I think it is, you know, you say that Brian, I, I think of Galgotha's foundation was an act of justice and it was in a spirit of unimaginable love, something that we, we can't imagine that Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven, that he was abandoned, that we might be welcomed. The due for our sin came upon Jesus on Galgotha. And I'm so thankful that he willingly and lovingly entered abandonment, being forsaken by God. And he stayed there under the lashings, the nails, and the light of the, the darkness, in the darkness of the tomb, that he became our literal substitute mm -hmm. so that when he hung in the darkness on Calvary, our sins and iniquities were really dealt with by God judge in the person of his own dear son, Jesus. And that is why God forsook him as though he were Cain and not Christ, that when he was made sin, God, he didn't cradle him in his arms and cling tightly to him, giving him a good night hug. No, he made Christ the sin bearer. And then he condemned that sin in him. Something had to die in order that we might live. And I'm so thankful that Jesus became our substitute. And he yeah. died 
that we might live. Mm. Mm. Amen. That's awesome. And for me, thinking about the substitutionary atonement of Christ or the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ, that's always been something that's beautiful to me. Even when I left legalism, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to leave the doctrines of the faith behind. Yeah, right. there was a time where I was like, hold on, is, is everything I've been taught true? And I started diving into scripture. And the deeper I went into scripture, the more I realized that the things like the wrath of God were legit. The Bible has a ton to say about that. And the mm -hmm. independent fundamental Baptists taught me, I've said this over and over again, they taught me so well that the Bible is our final authority in faith and practice. And mm. I believed that. And I embraced that even as a young boy, even when I was out in sin away from God before I truly received Christ as my savior, I had this awareness, I think by the power of the Holy Spirit and by what I was taught as a child, that the Bible was true. It was God's word and you could trust it. So the deeper I went into God's word looking for answers, uh, the more I realized that these doctrines are so, so important. you got to realize, mm. man, this is back in the 90s, the, the late 90s, when the whole emergent church was the latest, greatest, coolest thing, and everybody mm -hmm. was like yep. pursuing that, and there are all these Rob Bell videos coming Love out. Wins. And JC, you remember how cool <laughs> it was when Rob Bell started releasing those videos. and people The NUMA videos. Them. NUMA. Yeah, playing them in their YouTube. Blue he writes. He writes Velvet Elvis and all this stuff starts coming out. And we didn't even know what the emergent church was. But then we started hearing some of their doctrine. And we hear guys like Brian McLaren saying that teaching that Jesus died for our sins, absorbing God's wrath was cosmic child abuse. And mm -hmm. we're like, whoa, hold on a second. I'm not, I'm not willing to go there. And I, I remember right. reading a book called Why We're Not Emergent by uh, Kevin DeYoung. And I forget the other guy's name. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, it, it was called why we're not emergent by two guys who should be. And I, I mm. resonated with that book so much. It's still on my bookshelf and it's highlighted and notes written in it because it was basically saying, Hey, what does the Bible teach about these topics? So since penal substitutionary atonement has been such an issue and we're here at the crucifixion right before Easter, what does it even mean? What, what's the big deal? So the first word penal basically just means that it was a penalty, that Christ paid a penalty for our sins. And guys, honestly, this is the big issue that everybody has with penal substitutionary atonement. All the positions say, yeah, there was an atonement. Uh, and all of them, uh, most of them will say, yeah, there was some sort of a substitution that happened. But what is this about a penalty? And the reason people have an issue with a penalty is because of the language that God pours his wrath out mm. against sin. And I just want to read a couple of quotes. These are some of the attacks that people are bringing against penal substitutionary atonement. And this is why it always surprises me why people, whether they're in the RFP fam or other pastors or people that claim to be conservative or, you know, holding to the fundamentals, why they're so quick to jump on this train because listen what people are saying against the penal substitutionary atonement view this is a quote the explanation i was given went something like this god was very angry with us for our sin and because he is a just god our sin had to be punished but instead of punishing us he sent his son jesus 
as a substitute to suffer and die in our place. In other words, Jesus took the rap and we got forgiven, provided we said we believed in him. Well, I don't know about you, but even at the age of 10, I thought this explanation was pretty repulsive as well as nonsensical. What sort of God was this, getting so angry with the world and the people he created, and then to calm himself down, demanding the blood of his own son? And anyway, why should God forgive us through punishing somebody else? It was worse than illogical. It was insane. It made God sound like a psychopath. If any human being behaved like this, we'd say they were a monster. Well, I haven't changed my mind since. That explanation of the cross just doesn't work, though sadly, it's one that is still all too often preached. It just doesn't make sense to talk about a nice Jesus down here placating the wrath of a nasty, angry Father God in heaven. The wrath of God is no more than a human projection. The cross, then, is not about Jesus reconciling an angry God to us. It's almost the opposite. It's about a totally loving God incarnate in Christ, reconciling us to him. On the cross, Jesus dies for our sins. The price of our sin is paid, but it's not paid to God, but by God. Guys, I don't know what else to call that, but heresy and mm -hmm. scary. And, and, and it doesn't stop there. So this is William Paul Young, who was the author of The Shack. He also <laughs> wrote a book called Lies We Believe About God. He said that if God originated the cross, then we worship a cosmic abuser who in divine wisdom created a means to torture human beings in the most painful and abhorrent way. Frankly, it is often this very cruel and monstrous God that the atheist refuses to acknowledge or grant credibility in any sense, and rightly so. Better know God at all than this one. Wow. So, Nathan, this proves that there's no understanding or apparently no faith in Philippians chapter two that Jesus thought it not robbery that he was equal with God. He didn't cling to being God in order to avoid the redeeming work of humanity. Hmm. God didn't abuse Jesus. Jesus became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So uh, you think about abuse, children are abused against their will. Children are abused by the violent nature of another individual. Jesus knew the penalty for sin. Jesus knew the price that had to be paid. And before Jesus had ever died on the cross, Jesus died to the cross. That's why in the garden, as he was sweating great drops of blood, he's able to pray nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done Yeah, because he had already surrendered. So it's not that God is this great abuser who against Christ's will carried out this act of abuse against him. No, the beauty in this is that Jesus willingly gave himself. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't yeah. open his mouth. Yeah. He, think about it. He had angels, legions of angels at his disposal he could have spoken humanity out of existence. This was a willing act of sacrifice on behalf of Jesus Christ, bearing the punishment for sin, for the joy that was set before him, which was the redemption of lost humanity. Yeah, 
I don't know if you guys remember a singer, a uh, Christian musician called Michael, Michael Gunger. Uh, he, mm -hmm. he got into yep. quite a bit of controversy a few years ago over a lot of different things, but this is a mm -hmm. statement that he made. This guy's leading worship supposedly at Christian concerts and at churches across the United States and the world. This is what he said. I would love to hear more artists sing who sing to God and fewer who include a father murdering a son in that endeavor. If you can't think of anything to sing to God other, other than gratitude for taking your shame away through bloodshed, stop singing and look around. Mm. I, I don't even know what to say to that. And here's, here's the central issue in all this. People have a big problem when we talk about the wrath of God. But guys, we cannot get away from the wrath of God in yeah. Scripture. Romans 1.8. I mean, we could go Old Testament, New Testament, but I've just put down a couple that absolutely remove all question about the fact that God has wrath and it will be poured out. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans 5.9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. And then John chapter 3, verse 36 makes it perfectly clear. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Guys, when Jesus died on the cross, he absorbed God's wrath. His righteous, mm. holy punishment against my sin and against your sin. He became sin for us. And I don't understand the idea that, that sin doesn't need to be punished. That, that whole word penal means a punishment. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when God told Adam and Eve, in the day that you disobey or the day that you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. The wages mm -hmm. of sin is death. So sin in and of itself, by God's holiness, demands punishment. And mm. the very first prophecy of the gospel in Genesis 3.15 was that he would send a deliverer to crush the head of the serpent. So, yeah, I get a little bit defensive when people start attacking the atonement and start saying that there doesn't need to be a penalty for sin, that basically our sin is just uh, going against the wave of God's love yeah. rather than rebelling against a righteous and a holy God. Yeah. Like the Bible's clear about these things. I think they have a, a view of God as love and mercy, but he's just as equal, just he's just as equal justice. And he can't look over rejection, rebellion, sin. Yeah. Like he, he cannot look over that. And if you deny that you're not, viewing God in who he is. Yes, he is love and mercy, but he's also justice. He's also a God who hates sin. I mean, darkness yeah. cannot dwell in him. And I think what that does is, you know, when Jesus is on the cross, like he is feeling the abandonment of God, like in those moments, like he is literally taking the wrath of God for our sin that is placed on him. And I think there's that moral theological problem in some that it gets on there that here's Christ in pain, not just the pain of the nails, but the enormous grief of the loss of his father, but also the pain 
of the wrath of God that's being poured out on him in that moment, but he's doing that because he is becoming our substitute to take the wrath of God mm, in that yeah. moment. And I think, you know, I, I, what that leads me to when I think of this is, does God forsake sinners? Uh, you know, when I think of this, does God, like, you know, he does say he would spew the lukewarm church out. He's going to say, depart, I never knew you. Um, in God, there is no darkness at all. We know that. Um, mm -hmm. The idea is that God is just not justice. He's a he's a wimp. He's soft-spoken. He's meek. You know, he's he's just mm. this loving father. And we sit on his lap and stroke his beard and, you know, sing Jesus as my boyfriend worship songs. And like, man, I sounded like Tony Hudson just then. Uh, but, you know, that's the, the thought process in that. But any suspicion of Jesus being anything other than pitiful or compassionate or merciful or long-suffering is altogether denied in the minds of a lot of people today. There's no understanding of the cross of Christ. Mm. We've got to believe that Jesus Christ, that yes, when you look into the face of Jesus, you see God. But you have mm. to understand that God's justice was poured out on, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on yeah. that cross. And, I, I, you know, I mean, he, he cannot welcome sin. And that's why Jesus was there, but does he forsake the righteous? And when you see this, I love it that Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted, you know, and mm. as I'm, I'm listening to this, you know, that to think that God who is just in his ways would look over that sin and just be a loving God that says, oh, it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. there had to be a price yeah. paid. And yeah. that's why Jesus dying on the cross is such a, he, he, we owe him our life, our all. Yeah. Well, you know, this is actually a counterfeit gospel. Hmm. And sadly, people have become apologists for this counterfeit gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ultimately heartbreaking. A verse that I've been focusing on this Easter is God made him hmm. who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God mm. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So it's not just the idea that Jesus bore our sin. Mm. Jesus literally became sin. Yeah. That was the cup yeah. that it was looking at that in the cup and knowing what was to come that that was so difficult for Jesus when he was in the garden. So Jesus became the sins of the pedophile. He became the sins mm. of the murderer. He became the sins of the God hater. He became the sin of the proud. He became sin, but because he knew no sin, sin met its death in mm. Christ so yeah. that we might live to righteousness. Those who have yeah. been made alive in Christ. And, and so it was God who made him to become sin. And and let me just say this, and I I know there might might be some people who will attack this, and if you feel like you should, then then by all means enjoy. Mm -hmm. Had not one nail been driven through his hands, had not one stripe been placed on his back, had not one bit of spit dripped from his face, not one hair of his beard been plucked from his face, not one bite mark been left on his body just Christ becoming our sin would have been more painful than anything mm. any of us could ever imagine. Sinless perfection, mm. taking on himself 
the vilest of sin so that the vilest of sinners could be set free. Man, that's good. And, and there's, there's a, a basic understanding of the holiness of God that has to exist for the understanding of the cross. Yes. You, you have to understand how holy God is. He can't look upon sin. He, he has to judge sin. It's, it's mm. evil for someone to overlook iniquity. And the Bible says that in Proverbs, it's evil for someone just to, to wink at sin. So mm-hmm. God's holy nature, just like a good judge, will judge sin and not just wink at it. So when you think about the gospel, the gospel doesn't start in John 3.16. The gospel doesn't even start in Matthew chapter 1. The gospel starts in Genesis. And when you yes. go all the way back to Genesis, when God told Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. That was the punishment. There's mm-hmm. that word, penal. The punishment for sin is death. So it's mm-hmm. introduced immediately. There's going to be a punishment yeah. for disobedience. Well, what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They disobeyed. God came looking for them. He had every right to kill them on the spot for their sin. They deserved it. But they walked away that day clothed in an animal's skin. Something died in their place as a substitution. Blood was shed. That animal took their penalty. And Mm. the interesting thing about Genesis 3 is the Bible doesn't explain sacrifice. It doesn't explain what happened. It just says that they were covered but then later on, as you move through the very next chapter, you start seeing that, that Adam has taught his two sons about sacrifice, and they're mm-hmm. sacrificing an animal. A and lamb. the lamb that, that Abel offered and sacrificed for sin. So it starts before the, the Israelites, before Abraham, before the children of Israel. The sacrificial system starts, and then God explains it in Leviticus after he calls Abraham and then uh, Jacob and the sons of Israel and then the, the uh, captivity in Egypt and then they're released and God gives them the law and he explains the sacrificial system. And it's all about sin being dealt with, sin being punished so that God's wrath mm. would pass over. Look at the story of Passover. Uh, it's, it's about the death angel, the just penalty for sin being passed over and it being placed on a substitute through the blood of a lamb. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So even all the way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, we see the idea of this penalty being placed on a substitute so that the sinner can go free. And it was an innocent substitute. It was a spotless substitute. So it's, it's essentially the heart of the gospel, and I love it, and I believe in it, and I'm going to teach it, and I'm going to yeah. stand up for it because Amen. it matters. Yes, I left Amen. legalism behind, but penal substitutionary atonement isn't legalism. It's the gospel of mm. Jesus Christ, and I've got to say this, guys. The, the other views of the atonement, the other aspects of the atonement, uh, Christus Victor, Christus Medicus, recapitulation, satisfaction, ransom, all those aspects 
are beautiful aspects of the atonement, but you can't substitute them for the penal substitutionary atonement because that's the heart of what the atonement is. It's yeah. that the innocent died for the guilty, taking yeah. our punishment, our guilt upon himself and setting us free. That mm -hmm. is the gospel. The only thing missing from that, Nathan, that was so good. You should have finished it with, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Come <laughs> That's on, all man. That was missing. <laughs> I was teaching my kids last night. Uh, we were talking about the million of slaughtered animals that were pictures of this glorious infinite atonement, which one day would be accomplished, you know, when God provided a special lamb, God's only son. And I believe that through this, we can begin to see how God can remain just sin-hating yeah. God, yet forgive people like us because his son made an atonement for our sin. It's mm. God's own lamb who was willingly sacrificed, and God's son has come into this world in the likeness of sinful flesh, finally to stand in our judgment on the cross of Golgotha. And as I can just, man, as he hung in that thick darkness, God's just exhausted its condemnation for our sins until finally God said, my righteousness is satisfied. And Christ said, it is finished, mm. man. Mm. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham mm. caught a glimpse of things that were to come. Isaac's laying on the altar. There's a ram with thorns around its head. Mm. And that ram is taken. That ram is laid on the altar. That ram dies in Isaac's place. Mm. And the Bible says that Abraham saw the day of the Lord or the Lord's day, and he rejoiced. This shouldn't be mm. cause for division. Mm. This should be cause for rejoicing. This should be cause for celebration. You know, we honor our veterans, and the reason we honor our veterans is for a cause greater than themselves. They laid down their lives. Yeah. We celebrate that our American freedom is paid for by the blood of other individuals. Mm. We're taught to celebrate that from the time we're children. Well, our spiritual freedom was bought and paid for by the blood of another individual. And one of my favorite phrases with regard to the gospel is that Christ paid the price, and then the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the throne mm. of God when you study the Old Testament, there was no seat. And the reason there was no seat, there was no chair, mm. is because the work was never done. Mm. People were constantly bringing sacrifices, and sacrifices were constantly being made and offered. And they were only paying the, <clears throat> I would say, the interest on the debt. Mm. Mm. They were only paying the interest on the debt. The debt was still there. And so the priest could never sit down because his work was never done. Hmm. But God sent a lamb whose name was Jesus. Mm. And Jesus willingly laid himself on the altar. And he was crushed in our place. He was bruised in our place. And through that great act and demonstration of love, he defeated Satan. He conquered sin. He ascended back into heaven. Man. He offered his own blood. And then he sat down. Amen. So the, the altar used to cry, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And since Jesus offered himself, the altar's been crying, satisfied, satisfied, Man. 
satisfied. So good. That's beautiful, Mm. Brian. Wow. Thinking about Hebrews, I just finished reading uh, one book and I'm in the middle of another one for a class I'm taking on Hebrews, actually just the first half of Hebrews. (laughs) And it's, it's a lot, man. There's so much there and it connects back to the old Testament, but there was a comment in one of those books that said, the, the people in the Old Testament and the people of God literally lived over a sea of blood. Like mm. as the temple mm. offered the sacrifices, the blood drained down, I believe it's in the Kidron Valley, and this mm. blood would come down and flow in the streams. And they were talking about the gallons and gallons and gallons of blood uh, and how many animals were offered. We're told in the Old Testament that in one day, King Solomon offered 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. Oh and somebody goodness. somebody mm. did the math and looked at how many people would have attended that festival that day and said that if each family brought one or two animals, which was typical in that time, that that one day there would have been over 250,000 sacrifices, animals mm. slaughtered goodness. for the sins of other people. A substitute Damn. taking the penalty so that God's wrath could pass over people. And so the whole Old Old Testament literally exists on this ocean of blood. And if you put that one day, a quarter of a million sacrifices or more, take all the other years that, that God's people were offering sacrifices, millions and millions and millions of animals would have been slaughtered. Sin is a big deal to God. If you don't think sin's a big deal, read the book of Leviticus. It's a big deal. And God went to great lengths to atone for our sin. And the greatest length he went to was his own son or God himself coming to this earth and dying, taking the wrath on himself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people talk about cosmic child abuse. Brian, you did a good job of, of basically blowing that theory out of the water. But what they've got to understand is that the Godhead was absorbing God's wrath. God himself took his wrath. It's not like the Father and the Holy Spirit are pitted against the Son. Yes, they're distinct, but they're one. So God Mm -hmm. himself was taking our wrath. So so there's he took all the torture. He took it upon himself. So, guys, this is the gospel. And I understand yeah. that there are people out there, Christians out there who love God and don't understand. I believe they don't understand this doctrine fully. I challenge them to do that. I don't think I'm a better Christian than you are. I just think I read the Bible literally. And I think I look at, at what the Bible teaches from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And the Holy Spirit you want to talk about alarms going off in the heart of a Christian when you start hearing things that are attacking the atonement of, of Christ that makes my salvation possible? I believe the Holy Spirit bears witness in our hearts, and I pray that a lot of people would step back and think about this because this week I had some friends that were quoting some statistics to me that were coming from people that hate the gospel, and somehow the church has been convinced that penal substitutionary atonement is dangerous or that it makes God look bad. You know what? If you read the Old Testament and read how God poured his wrath out on people, 
it doesn't always make sense to us. I can't explain it all to you. I'm in the book of Second Kings right now, reading through oh, wow. the Bible. <laughs> and so there are things that happen that I just can't explain, but I want to exp- I, I, I do want to say one thing about it. If I don't understand it, it doesn't mean that God's unjust. It means that I don't understand it because God Amen. is perfectly yeah. just and God is perfectly righteous every time he pours his wrath out on sinners. Hey, you know what song I was thinking about when you were talking a minute ago? Do you guys remember that song? He knew me, mm. yet he loved me. Yep. He, he whose glory remains. I wish there wasn't a delay, buddy. We could get some good three-part harmony. <laughs> I going right now. Yo. But so I unworthy oh. of God's mercy. My yet goodness. when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Yeah, as you, you guys are talking, uh, my mind goes back to a story that I'm sure we've heard. You, you guys have heard it, I know, and uh, I, I've, I heard it recently for the first time. Uh, the story is talking about a painting in the Louvre in Paris, Texas. Brian, you ever, uh, Paris, Texas, Paris, France. <laughs> I'm homeschool graduate here, bless God. That would have been the life in Paris, Texas. What am I talking about? But There's the a Paris Louvre in Tennessee, in, too. Maybe it was there. Yeah, there is. I was born in Paris, Illinois. Imagine Come that. On. Um, but the Louvre in Paris, France, there's a famous painting there. The story goes that it's called Checkmate. And on one side is Satan, and they're playing a game of chess. On the other side is a man sitting there grasping his hair because he's out of moves. And the, the name of the, the painting is Checkmate. And uh, the story goes from what I've heard, I've heard it a few different ways, but um, there was a champion chess player walking through the Louvre there in Paris, France. And he looked at this painting and he was studying it. And then he just said, hey, this painting is wrong. Like there, there's something wrong with this. I'm a champion chess player and I see chess in a different way than the normal I would. And this man has not lost. His king actually has one more move that would put him in checkmate. They've got to change the name of this painting because he is going to get the victory. Mm. You know, when we think of that, it's almost like Satan is laughing. I heard SM Lockridge just a minute ago on that. He said, Satan is laughing. Death thought it had won, but the king had one more move and Mm. Jesus rose from the grave. And I love that because the cross is powerful because he paid for our sins there, mm. but the resurrection is where the victory is at because he conquered the grave. And I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what is going on in your life. That thing that seems to be holding you down where it feels like Satan has the victory. Hey, the King has another move and yeah. you've got to understand that because Jesus is alive, we have hope to carry on yes. life's bitter hurts and pains and sorrows that we will never understand We've got to see beyond the shadow of what this life is made of and look with eyes that see Jesus and realize that the king is one. He has conquered the grave. There's no fear that can haunt us, no foe that can daunt us because our king is alive and he Mm. lives forevermore. And he gained the victory by walking out of that tomb. And it's just as empty today as it was 2000 years ago. And I'm thankful for that fact right there. Amen. Man, what a great way to close this episode. I like this because the tomb is empty. Our life can be filled. Wow. Amen. Mm. That's so true. Yeah, sin Boys, and guilt doesn't have to hold us down. Amen. Amen. I think we should end this 
uh, episode with an incredible, powerful song. We started with one. I think we should end with one. What do y'all think? Let's I think do it. Sounds great. This is Charity Gale. Happy Easter from us here at the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. Be sweet. Peace. was rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your sight so you made a way across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside And there at the cross you paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I
Oh 